0: We're in a new series, and I want to ask you a question as we get into this. The question is this. How important are your words? I see some heads nodding, so I'm assuming that we're all agreeing. Just ask yourself that question a second, and then kind of come to a realization. How, How important are the things that you say? What comes out of your mouth? How does that affect people around you? How does it affect you? Could we all agree that our words are important? There there was a guy I knew, uh, this is actually a true story, he was a young man back then, and he had a job, and he got into an argument with his boss one day, and the argument escalated. This is, by the way, if you're going to argue with somebody, your boss is probably not the one to to do it with, but he got really emotional, and things got uh, bad, they escalated, until he, from raw emotion, just said these words, you can take this job does anybody want to finish that? Yeah, you, you guessed it. And shove it. And he stormed out of there about as fast as he could, got in his truck, peeled out of the parking lot. And uh, he started driving around town. And then something happens that we all go through after an argument. We cool off. <laughs> he began to realize what he had just done. And he starts imagining, oh, I'm going to have to let my wife know I don't have a job. Like, what's that conversation going to go like? What's How am I going to provide for my family? And so he decided to humiliate himself, be humble, and go back to his workplace and apologize. And so he did, and he walks in there, and true story, and he he says, I'm sorry if you haven't shoved that job too far. (laughs) I'd like to have it back. And he got his job back. That's a true story. I think what we all can agree on is that our words aren't just important. Our words are life-changing. Our words have huge impacts in our lives, and effective communication is one of the biggest challenges that we face on this planet in terms of our relationships. Our words have this power to make these huge implications in our lives. And knowing that, we have these relationships that require words. And effectively, when we communicate, great things happen. When that breaks down, we have trouble. It all comes down to the words we use. And so we're in this series. It's called We Need to Talk. It's about communication. And throughout the following weeks, we're going to be talking about what does that look like? What, what are some communication details that you should probably stay away from because they can actually lead to sin? Um, here's a biggie. The power of listening. And not talking sometimes. It's just the ability to be able to listen. There's some powerful things in that. We're going to cover it. Um, but maybe the, the answer that you've been looking for is the answer to this question. What do I do whenever I've blown it? What do I do when communication actually breaks down? We're going to talk about that too. But you need to understand this principle that no relationship rises above the level of the two mouths that are involved. You need to understand that. You become the ceiling for the capacity of the relationship blessing in your life based on the words that you use. And so today, we're going to just talk very poignantly about the fact that your words are seeds. I want you to say, my words are seeds, did you know that whenever God gave you the ability to speak, he gave you the ability to say things that were meant to be seeds that produce something in you? When you speak words, they produce something in you, and they produce something in the people around you that have big implications in life. Whenever you think about God, and we have the record of how he created everything in Genesis, the Bible doesn't say he, he grabbed a big bag of materials and began to somehow start building stuff. The Bible says that he spoke words and life began to happen. He he said the word and things began to exist. At his words, things began to blossom. And so then God makes human beings. And with that, he gave us the capacity to speak words and speak life into people, to speak life into ourselves. We can understand this very practically when we begin to understand the fact that you can speak words and encourage somebody who's down and out. You can speak words, and actually sometimes we've had history of someone's the whole trajectory of their life being transformed and changed because of a conversation that somebody had with them that had words involved. You may be this way. You may have successes in your life. And you can look back and point back to a conversation where somebody spoke words to encourage you and led you to be very successful because of the encouragement that you had. Words are important. Words are seeds. In fact, words are so powerful that we as human beings gravitate towards people who are positive. How many of you just love to gravitate towards people who speak negatively about you? We don't do it. Just by nature, we turn the other way. Why? Because words are powerful, and by nature, we gravitate towards people who use words in such a way that speak positively into our lives. Now, because we live in a sin-cursed world, what that means is is this life has sin in it, and we're affected by it as human beings. Uh, it's, a, it's something called selfishness. It's when we put ourselves first, and because we're affected by that, uh, we, we have the capacity within ourselves to use words for the opposite effect. We, we can say things and hurt people. We we can say things and we can rip people apart. We can say things, ruin people's days, and sometimes leave them with insecurities that last a lifetime, and they begin to make decisions in the future based on insecurities they had from a conversation they had way back then. Sometimes they don't even make the connection. Um, how, How many of you today, don't raise your hand, but you can remember a conversation that was had maybe years ago, and maybe one sentence sticks out and you remember the way it hurt you. You just remember it. Maybe you even remember the tone of voice that somebody used. Why is that? Because words are powerful, and words are seeds. And when you speak them, they go out. And it's not, it's not like words just go out and they vanish into thin air. Words have powerful implications. Even words that you don't think matter, they have a, a lasting impact in somebody's lives. They may not even think it matters at the time. But our minds have this ability to be able to remember more so than anything what somebody says. Solomon, in Proverbs chapter 10, he actually equates wordiness, people that don't know how to uh, contain their words with being a fool. It's, this is what he says. He says that when, when sin, or excuse me, when words are many, sin is unavoidable. Isn't that amazing that he, 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 he compares and actually correlates somebody that talks a lot and somebody that doesn't control their words with sin. And he says the opposite is true from someone that holds their words. He says it's, it's actually the wise that know how to think before they talk. It's the wise who know how to restrain themselves and use words in such a way that speak life and edify somebody. That's, that's a wise person. Why? Because they've learned how to take their words and harness them and harness the power of it, the God-given power of words, to be able to build somebody else up. Why would the Bible be so drastic about words? They're just words. Because words aren't just words, words are seeds. And when you say them, that goes out and it takes root and it produces something in us and it produces something in the people that hear them, good or bad. It's not a matter of if, but it's a matter of when. Jesus in the New Testament, he was talking about the power of words. And and this is what he says. I just want to read it to you. Jesus said in Matthew 12, I I tell you on the day of judgment, talking about the end, uh, men are going to render an account for every careless word that they utter. For by your words, you will be justified, and by your words, you will be condemned. He's saying that's how powerful your words are. You may not know it. You may not even think about it. But every conversation, every profane word, every mean-spirited judgment. But the opposite is true as well. Every word of encouragement, every word you spoke of life, every word you spoke in somebody when you didn't feel like it, but you knew it was the right thing to do, and you you lifted them up instead of tearing them down. Every word that you use for that, that's, that's going to be shown to you. He said there's coming a day when you're going to realize just how important your word was, each and every one of them. And by your words, you're either going to be justified or you're going to be condemned. Now, I know we're all thinking right now, oh, no, I've said a lot of bad stuff. And I'd be the first one in this room to say I've said some things that I wish I had never said. I have torn people apart with my words, and I wish I had never done it. Is that going to be shown to me? You may be thinking that too. Is, is God going to hold me accountable to that? Let me tell you something. Here's the, here's the good news. There is a giant erase button called forgiveness and called confession and called God's grace. Who's thankful for that? And, and yes, can we just give God some, some, some praise for grace? With that same grace that we've been shown, we're supposed to extend it to other people. And our words should reflect that. And when I stand before God one day, because I've accepted Jesus Christ, and that big uh, so-called erase button has been pushed, He's not going to see my imperfection. Jesus is going to be standing with me, and He's going to see the perfection of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to be made perfect and seen worthy in the light of God. And so, yes, we've said some things that we shouldn't have said, but God is faithful and just, and He will forgive us. And He'll finish a work in you on this earth if you'll let Him. But every word is important. Every word is a seed that gets planted, and we're going to harvest them. That's, that's the fact. When you, when you spit a peach seed on the ground, uh, the, that pit in the middle, and it takes root, what happens to, that, to that, that pit? What happens when it takes root? You get a tree, don't you? It, uh, and a tree actually comes up. And he's saying every single thing that comes out of your mouth is a, is a seed that takes root in somebody. And, and people remember conversations. People remember how they felt from them. People have made huge decisions based on, on conversations that have happened because words were spoken. The point is this. Our words aren't just empty, but our words are powerful. Our words are seeds, and we're going to reap a harvest from seeds. So how many of you have situations in your life that you just, I want to see them different? I've got a spouse or I've got a relationship, and I, I want to see that thing be different in my life. I've, I've, I'm seeing something now, but I want to see something different at some point, maybe tomorrow, maybe today. <laughs> I want to see my relationship be different. And we, we a lot of times we put that on the other person. And God is saying, you can speak words and change a thing if you'll be the one to hold on to what you say and only say things that build up. And so today I, I want to show you three truths. Say three truths. Three truths about your words as it relates to being seeds. Number one is this, you reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. Now, we understand this when it comes to farming, but your words are the same way. They're seeds. And when you sow them, you're going to reap something. Galatians 6, 7 says this, don't be misled. Remember, you can't ignore God and get away with it you will always reap what you sow. He's not talking about karma. He's not talking about what goes around comes around. He's literally saying what you plant, you are going to harvest. Think about your words. Are are you sowing love? Are you sowing honor and respect? Or are you sowing insults? Are you sowing strife? What are you expecting to get? Are your words matching that? The fact is, is that there is no constructive results from destructive words. You can't sow destructive words and expect to get something constructive back. But married couples, they, they blow this all the time. Um, and it's not really that funny, but it's so it's very typical. Um, they don't like something their spouse is doing, and so they think to fix it, they need to launch this full-scale verbal attack. You never listen. I wish you'd pick up after yourself. I, I, I wish you would change. And it, it amazes me. Because when you get to the heart of, matter, heart of the matter, what they're really thinking is, is if I say it enough, they'll get the picture and they'll change. How many times has that worked? <laughs> I mean, e- either way, any relationship you're in, how often has pressure changed the other person? If I say it enough, they'll change. Here's a truth you need to understand, and I need to understand it as well. Pressure is not attractive. Pressure creates resistance. I need to say that again because some of you are going to hear me say it, but you're going to walk out and feel to do the other. Pressure is not attractive. Pressure creates resistance. I don't care if it's a spouse relationship, a work relationship, or a a parent-child relationship, or vice versa. Pressure does nothing but turn the other person off and make them turn away. If you don't change, I'm out of here. I've got my bags packed, and I've got the, the lawyer on speed dial, and I am going to be gone and I'll call you every name under the sun, and, and that's my goal, that's my plan for you to change. I, I just, pressure, pressure, pressure. If you want peace in a relationship, if you want love in a relationship, if you want honor in a relationship, then your words, what you're sowing, has to match the outcome that you wish to have. Start sowing seeds that's going to produce that kind of harvest. Start sowing seeds that's going to, that's going to reap a, a, a harvest of love a harvest of joy, you could, because you're going to reap what you sow. And I've heard people say, well, I'm just trying to wake them up. And I feel like if I say these things, then it's going to wake them up. But the reality is, is I've never heard somebody ever, in, in 17 years of ministry almost, I've never heard uh, a spouse or any, in any relationship look to the other one and say, you know what, all that pressure really helped. I am so glad you cussed me out. You know, I, I just, I needed that. Before you called me all those names, I didn't get it. But now I get it. I'm so glad that you were able to help me see. And the next time I mess up, I want you to give it to me again. Nobody has ever said that. In fact, you know what the Bible says? The Bible says this. The Bible said that it was Jesus' loving kindness that drew us to repentance. It it was his kindness. It was his love. It were those seeds of respect and honor and blessing in our lives. And it just challenged us to 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 change, but it did it in such a loving way, it drew us in. You probably know that in your own life. Jesus never went to you and said, you know what, you you no good, sorry rascal, you know you needed saving, and here I am, accept me, you piece of dirt. (laughs) I mean, no, Jesus said, I loved you so much, I came to die for you, and even while you had your back turned to me, that's when I decided I was still going to do it. He's never, ever, ever thrown anything up in my face. In fact, 1 Corinthians 13 says that the love, the kind that models after Christ, it keeps no record of wrongs, and it always perseveres. It always exists for me, and it never fails. And the Bible says that kind of loving kindness is what drew us, It's what changed us, It's what made us want to be more like Him, and it continues to. Why do we feel like we can do it better than Jesus? Why why do we feel like we, we have to spew negativity and remind somebody of what they've done in order for them to change? It's actually the opposite. And when we say things, when we spew words, they don't just fall to the ground. They take root in somebody, and they produce a harvest, good or bad. What kind of words are you saying in a relationship that you're hoping will grow? What kind of seeds are you sowing? There was a, a story of a couple who bought a house in uh, Virginia, and uh, all the neighbors talked about this one man on the block who was honorary just like a, a typical neighborhood Scrooge. And this Christian couple, they were like, well, you know what, that's, that's your experience. We're going to draw the best out of them. So they just decided that they were going to speak good words. They were going to speak of them well, and every time they passed them in the neighborhood, they were going to wave and they were going to smile. And everyone said, it's not going to work. They said, well, we're going to do it anyway. And so four years go by, and they're waving, and they're smiling, and they're speaking well of this man. Nothing. They get nothing from him. He is about as scrooge as they come, head down, doesn't pay attention, doesn't look. It's almost like he's determined he's not going to break, you know. They come around the corner one day in the car, and before anybody in the car could wave and do the thing, he looks up, smiles, and just waves the biggest wave and smile. They said, We almost wrecked the car. We didn't expect that. The fact of the matter is, is that seeds produce good fruit when they're sown the way that God wants us to sow them. Could it be that, that the Bible is true that, that seeds of love bring a harvest of love? Could, could it be in our lives that if we, we really sow seeds, if we really speak words of respect and honor, that that's a harvest that we'll reap one day if we're faithful? fact is, is you reap what you sow. Second truth, say number two, you reap more than you sow. A lot of times we forget this when it comes to our words, but everybody knows if you plant a seed, you're going to get a tree that has lots of fruit on it, and within that fruit is countless seeds. Why? Because you reap more than what you sow. You don't just reap what you sow. You reap more than what you sow. And the same is true of our, of our words. Look at James chapter 3, verses 2. It said that we all stumble in many ways. Everybody said amen. Amen. Anybody who is never at fault in what they say is complete. In other words, their, their words are right. In other words, it, it does something. He says he's able to keep their whole body in check. Your words are right. It keeps the rest of you in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses... To make them obey us, we can turn the whole entire animal. He's saying a small thing has a potential to move a very big thing. Or he says take ships as an example. Although they're so large and they're driven by strong winds, they're steered by this itty-bitty small rudder in the back. And so the pilot can, can maneuver that huge ship wherever they want to go by this little small rudder in the back. He says just like that. Likewise, the tongue is this small part of the body, but it makes huge boasts. Consider what a great forest is caught on fire by such a small little spark. And he's saying this, this, that you sow with something so small, you sow with these, these words, they're small, but it produces this huge thing in your life. If you only speak a few harsh words to somebody, does that mean that you're only going to get uh, just a little bit of pushback? Somebody said, you know, I don't understand why this person is still mad at me. I only told them they were fat and ugly once. Why are they still mad? Why, why are they? St- it's just words, right? No, it's not. You may have said a few little small, harsh words, but it has a huge impact. Why? Because we reap more than what we sow. Words, they come from a, such a, a small part of the body, but they make a, such a huge impact in your life. You think about the, 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 the time you've spent constructing a relationship built on faith and built on, on good words built on love and built on kindness. You can go a whole month, two months. You can go years doing that. But sometimes it just takes one sentence or sometimes one word to rip every bit of that down. Why? Because we reap more than what we sow and something so small has huge impacts in our lives. The good news is is the the same is true with the opposite side of that, with positive things, with, with words that you speak that are positive and uplifting, that are loving and they're kind and they're thoughtful. Just a a few strategically placed words, the right time, right place, can restore faith and trust like you wouldn't believe. You're right. I'm so sorry. I was wrong, (laughs) and I want you to know that I love you. Some of you right now are like, oh my gosh, I wish they would just say that to me. It would change everything. The fact is is, is, is those ten words. You're right. I'm sorry. I was wrong. I love you. When they come from a heart that really means it, there is something huge that happens in your life and in your relationship. Such small words. We could count the letters. We could do the phonetics. We could get all into the the mix of how they come out of your mouth. Such they're small, but yet you reap more than what you sow. <coughs> words are seeds. I'm going to cough right now, and I just need you to bear with me. You're welcome. (laughs) Pastor Jim tells a story about uh, he and his wife. They started a church uh, years and years ago, decades ago, back in Virginia. And when they first started the church, it was growing really fast, really quick. And he involved himself fully, making sure the organization was right, making sure it was getting off the ground, caring for the people, organizing volunteers. And it began to consume him. And when he tells this story, he's humble and he's he's even humiliated that he did it this way. But he let it consume him to the point that his wife and and they they started together, but it got to the point where she became feeling like she was less and less a part of the church. And ultimately less and less a part of them. And she tried to come to him and say, you know what, you're 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 really our family is is struggling because of the amount of time that you're putting into this. And in, in humility, now he says he looked at her and said, "You're just being selfish. I'm doing the Lord's work. God is doing something in this church, and I need you with me." But he describes their relationship at the time like two ships that were just happened to be anchored at the same dock. They were there together on the outside, but on the inside, they were couldn't be further apart. And she said, "I felt less and less of what not just what was happening at the church and being a part of that, but I felt less and less a part of a part of us." And he wouldn't listen, and, and he says. He admits he wouldn't listen. And he said he he doesn't remember what happened, what the circumstances were, but something got his attention. And he says, I I don't remember all of the circumstances. He said, but I remember the words that changed everything. He said, I took her in my arms, and I had this moment where I realized the gravity of what was happening in our marriage. And he said this, I love you more than I love this church. You are more important to me than the success of it. If you need me to walk away from it all, just say the word. And after years of this, of, of turmoil and this buildup and feelings of separation, he said she melted right there. Not because he just said words, but because she knew he meant it. And it transformed their marriage. It, it wasn't in an instant. It, it didn't fix everything. They still had to work at it. But it made work, working towards solutions together possible. It's, it's interesting. The conversation probably lasted ten minutes maybe less, I, I don't know, but they're still reaping the harvest from that conversation decades later as they still continue to work in ministry and have a path for God uh, as, as He walks them down it. Why? Because you reap more than what you sow. You think they're just words going out, and that's going to be the end of it, but it's, it's creating huge impacts in your life. That sounds really good, and it's true. What could you say What could God do through your words if you really begin to understand that words are not just phonetics formed in the mouth, but they actually produce something in your life? What are you sowing? You will reap more than what you sow. Everybody say number three. Sometimes it can get frustrating when we speak words because things don't happen the way we want them to happen and the time we want them to happen. It takes time. It takes sometimes months, sometimes years. Sometimes from the time you plant something with a word, sometimes it, it's, there's a, a, t- a time period that goes by that you have a tendency to get frustrated in because things aren't happening in the time you want. But if we could understand this third truth, that's this. There's a time delay between sowing and reaping. And it's frustrating. Let's just get real. It's frustrating because when we've given and when we've given and when we've sown and when we've sown and we're not seeing the results... Can we just get honest? It takes us off. <laughs> and we start wondering if it's worth it. We, we start wondering if, if the other person is not going to reciprocate, no matter what the relationship is, what's the point of me doing it? And one of the worst things you can do during the time that you've sown and you're, 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 you're waiting is to give up. Because you have no, cl- no clue how close the harvest is that God is bringing into your life. Because he sees every seed that you sow. He knows everything that you've done. He knows every word that you've said. And he's taking them together and he's working them for your good. Do not give up. It'd be like a farmer who goes out and plants seeds, and then on day four, he comes out, and he says, well, I don't see anything coming up out of the ground, so I'm ripping everything up, and we're all looking at him going, no, what are you doing? Everybody knows that there's a planting season, and then there's a growing season, and then, then there's a harvest season, but our words are seeds, and sometimes we do that exact same thing. We plant the seed, and nothing happens, and then we go out, and we're like, you know what? It's pointless. I'm just going to give up, and we get impatient. And we don't understand that there's a time delay sometimes, often, when we plant a seed and when we actually get to harvest the results. What does a farmer do when he plants the seeds and he has to wait? You know what a farmer does? He cares for it. He continues to work, and he waits for the harvest season diligently. It's frustrating, but God tells us this in Galatians 6, 9. He says, let us not become weary. And doing what? And doing good. Let us not become weary in speaking things that are right. Let us not become weary in doing things that we know that God has asked us to do when it comes to our words. Because, listen, at the proper time, we are going to reap a harvest if we don't give up. Some of you in here have planted seeds. You've planted, you've planted things, words that you've sown. And you're not seeing the results from that. And God is telling you, you will reap a harvest at the appointed time, at the proper time, if you don't give up. Some of you today are ready to give up right now. You're ready to give up on that person, whoever they, they may be, because you've sown and you've sown and you feel like you've given your best and you're still not getting anything. And you say, you know what, to heck with it. I'm, I'm giving up. God is saying to you today, we will reap a harvest. You will reap a harvest at the proper time. And sometimes I think at the proper time goes right over our heads and we just look at harvest. Did you know that even Jesus, the Bible says in Romans, that he came at just the right time? There was an appointed time even for Jesus. And we ask the question, well, why couldn't he have come in our lifetime? Or why did the Messiah, why did Jesus have to come, you know, in, in a little over 2,000 years ago in that time period? I don't know. I can't answer that. I'm sure there's some scholars who can, who can raise some awareness on it. I don't know. But I know this, the Bible says there's an appointed time, a proper time. Psalms 1 says that, that when you dwell on God's Word and you meditate on it day and night, you're like a tree that's planted by water, and you will produce a harvest of fruit in due season. There is an appointed time that God wants to bring a harvest into your life, and it may not be when you want it because it's frustrating, but what could God be wanting to do in you as you wait? What could God be wanting to do in you, into your life and in your heart as you continue to sow seeds? Because there's going to come an appointed time, a proper time, if you don't give up, that those seeds are going to begin to harvest in your life and you're going to begin to see blessing. You're going to begin to see a change in your life. And it's not just going to be a spring up change that's here one day and gone the next. When God speaks life, he does it permanently. If you don't give up. If you'll continue in this path that God has for you. He's not a God that delights in in giving you things and making change because you've been faithful to him and then ripping it out. If you follow him, if you continue in him, God does not lie. You will reap what you sow. You'll reap more than what you sow. If we don't give up knowing that there's a time delay between sowing and reaping. There was this old prophet in, in the Old Testament in Israel. Called Habakkuk. I don't know if you've ever heard of this man, but he was a godly man and and there was an army getting ready to come and invade Israel, and they were getting ready to wipe him out. And Habakkuk wanted to know, God, when are you gonna save us? And what you may not know is they planted some good seeds in Israel because there was a king named Josiah that came and kind of undid a lot of what his father and grandfather did. They did complete evil. But during Josiah's reign, they they planted some good seeds. They serve God. They broke down all the false uh, gods, all the, all the altars uh, that serve false gods. And they said, we're going to get this right, and we're going to serve and obey God. Josiah came and gone. He died, and the nation went back to evil again. And here comes this, this, this nation to invade. And Habakkuk's like, God, when, when are you going to save us? And this is what God told him in Habakkuk 2, verse 3. He says, but these things I plan won't happen right away. Slowly, steadily, surely, the time approaches when the vision will be fulfilled. And if it seems slow, don't despair, for these things will surely come to pass. And I think that's what God wants you to hear today if you're waiting. It may seem slow. You may not see the results of what you've been sowing yet, but but God does not lie. What he said, he will do. It may may seem slow, but it's surely coming. It's steadily coming. And you know that the best things in life are slow. You think about mama's cooking, I'd rather have that over a fast food McDonald's any day. Why? Because it's slow, you have to wait for it, but it's better. (laughs) And the things that God has coming in your life, they're worth waiting for. He says, you know what, they will surely come to pass. Our job is to just be patient. And then he says this, they will not be overdue a single day. You know what that means? That means God has a plan, a date already in mind for you. We think in time, so it's frustrating. God doesn't. He knows the exact moment when he's going to pour that blessing into your life and change things around. He said it's going to happen in a single day. If we'll be patient, if we'll not despair, and if we'll understand that there is a time delay in sowing and reaping. But God is faithful, and if you sow, you will reap. I love what what he says because Habakkuk could have said, You know what, God, I, I hear you, and I'm thankful for that but our life stinks right now. I I need you to show me something. He could have been sulking. He could have been waiting in frustration. But by the time you get to chapter three, here's the words of Habakkuk. Okay, God, then I will wait patiently. He says, though the fig tree doesn't bud and there's no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fail and the fields produce no food, though there's no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls. Now you may not care about sheep and cattle and olives, but this was prosperity in their day. I mean, your relationship, you want it to thrive. You you need breakthrough in your life. You need things that need to surround you so that that you can thrive in this life. God knows that. And this is what he says. I I don't see any of this happening. Maybe you don't see any of this happening, but this is his word to us, and this is what we need to latch on to. He says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior because the sovereign Lord is my strength. And that's what you need to know today. If you've sown, there may be a time delay, but you can have joy and strength in the midst of your waiting. Now, there may be some of you today who, who, who you can't find in, within yourself to speak words that are joyful. You can't find within yourself the ability to speak words that are life-giving. You don't, you don't feel like you have what it takes. You, you feel, In fact, you feel more deprived than anything else. I, I know I'm talking to a, a group of people this size And I'm not naive enough to think that we're all ready to just go and start speaking right now. Some of us need another starting place. And I want you to know that God is not just interested in you speaking words just to speak them. But he said in Luke 6, 45, he said that what you say, the words you speak, is an overflow from what's in your heart. And for some of us in the room today, that's the starting place that we need to we, we need to get to. It's a heart change that has to happen first. God's not interested in just you phonetically being able to say words. He's saying that what you say is an overflow from what's in your heart. I'm not interested in the front. I'm interested in heart change. And you know the place in your heart. You know the situations that you're in. And if you're someone that would say, I can't find it within myself to be able to speak words to somebody else that's uplifting, to sow seeds that I can, am proud to produce a harvest from, then your first words need to be before God the Savior, before Jesus Christ, and get your heart right with Him. Because if you can't praise God with your words, if you can't give words to God first, if you can't admit that you are a sinner and need help, then there's no way that you're going to be able to speak words into somebody else's life and give them worth anything Maybe today you need to get in the presence of God. Maybe today your, your heart needs to be with Him first. I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm not saying that you're not a Christian. So you may be a veteran Christian, but as long as you're breathing air here on this earth, you're imperfect. And there's always room to grow. So what's that place in your heart that you need God to come into and shift and change? And you need to get that heart, that place in the presence of God and be able to utter some words of praise and thanksgiving to God the Father and then go out to another human being. It's only then can can you speak words that have any uplifting ability at all. It's only when you get in God's presence first and are able to utter praises to him. Maybe for some of you in the room today, you, you've not given your heart to God. Maybe all of it is kind of living for you and you know that you need to make a decision to follow Jesus Christ. I want to give you the opportunity to do that today. Understanding that every word you say, it has an impact. And every word you say is a seed that can, that can produce something really awesome in your life, something godly in your life that has God's backing and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Or it can be something that can produce a lot of trouble. The fact is, is that God loves you. And He wants you to take the, the ability that He's giving you to speak life and do it for His glory. If that's you today, would you, would you be bold enough to say yes to Him? Can we pray together? God, thank you for the ability to to be here today and to hear, whether it's online or in the room, and and hear your word. You don't lie. And you've given us an awesome ability to be able to speak, to be able to say words. And Lord, forgive us for them uh, coming out of our mouths and us somehow thinking that they're empty, that they somehow just fall to the floor. The listener, the person on the other end would know different. But Lord, forgive us for being hasty with our words. Forgive me, God. Lord, I I pray that we would have the understanding as we walk out of here that our words have power to change things. Our words are seeds. I pray that you'd give us the the power, God, in our hearts, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit for that understanding. And I pray that as we speak, Lord, everything we say would run through a new filter and we'd shut up when we need to shut up And we choose words carefully for the edifying and building up of the person that hears. Lord, for those of us in the room that need a heart change, I I pray right now, God, that you make us aware of that. And you meet us right where we are. We just offer praises to you right now. Lord, you're worthy. You're good. And we lower ourselves and give you permission to have that place in our hearts. We start there. Lord, for others of us who, who know we need to give our lives to you, I just want to say a prayer, church. And if, if that's you, if you know you're, you're living far from God and you know you need to make a decision to follow him right now, you feel it. I'm not trying to coax you into anything. If you feel pulled, that's not Ryan Barbado pulling you. I, I don't have the power to change your heart. I couldn't do it if I tried, but God can. And that's the Holy Spirit you feel right now pulling at your heart. And my prayer is that you'd be bold enough to say yes to him and yield to him. He won't make you, but he sure will ask. And so if you feel that, I I wonder if you'd be bold enough to pray this with me. Lord, I yield to that. I yield to you. I need you. I'm not perfect. I'm never going to be perfect. And yet you love me anyway. I'm never going to be seen as a perfect human being. There was only one, and that was you. So, God, when you look at me, I'm tired of running from you. When you look at me, I want you to see something worthy. And I don't know how to do it because I've, I've tried and I keep falling short. But you sent your son, Jesus Christ, who became a human. He was tempted in every single way, just like I am, except for the difference was I failed, and he, he perfected it, he, he did it perfectly. And then he died for me. He paid the debt for my imperfection, and I believe that, and I believe that he really died, and I believe that you really rose him from the grave. And so when I think of myself standing before you, God, and all your holiness and all your perfection and I don't even know what else because I can't even imagine how big you are and all that, that is involved and in who you are but when I stand before you I want you to see something good and I know that it's only through Jesus that I may able, be able to seem worthy and so I accept him I want you to see his perfection and not mine I want to live for you so I give you my heart change me how you want I'm not perfect, I'm I'm never going to be, but I know I can change, and I know you can show me how, so I give you my life, use it, help me to understand who you are even more every day, in Jesus' name, can we say amen, amen, look at me real fast, if you prayed that prayer, I want to know about it, would you be bold enough to take your connect card and check the box that says, I prayed to receive Christ? I don't just want to know about it, but there's other people in our church that want to know about it, and we want to help give you next steps. We don't just want you to check a box and, and, and leave and never tell anybody. We want you to check a box and turn your Connect card in. We just want to surround you. We want to tell you how proud we are of you and how much we love you, but we want to get practical with you and help pray for you and help give you next steps. So don't miss out on that next step. Uh, if, if you're here today and you're here for the very first time, please let us know. Take your Connect card to the VIP desk. We have a gift waiting for you. We're so glad you're here. Guys, if you have prayer requests, we want to know what they are. Because when you walk out of here and you write prayer requests down, our prayer team prays this week for you. Our senior leadership team gathers around, and we pray specifically for each need every single week. And I'm proud to stand up here and say that. We've got a great team of people, God-fearing people loving folks that want to pray for your needs. And I know after a message like that, sometimes, we're, yeah, I have a prayer request. I need help. We will pray for you. I love you guys so much. I want you to know that it is cold outside, so bundle up as you leave. And we're going to continue this series. We need to talk next week. I can't wait to see you then. I want you guys to have a great week.